Welcome to The Loophole, a podcast exploring crime and criminal defense in America. This series is produced by Wampler Passanisi, one of the Midwest's leading criminal defense firms, with hosts Joe Passanisi and Talon Sumner's Schwartz. The Loophole covers gun laws, domestic violence, drugs, embezzlement, bribery, government overreach, and more. If you're into true crime, it doesn't get more real than this. Welcome to this episode of The Loophole. Today, we are going to discuss the newest law to take effect in Missouri. It's the hands-free law that just took effect back in August of this year. Talon and I would like to make you aware of this new law and discuss how it's going to be enforced and to hopefully enlighten you on these changes. One of the biggest things about this new law is that it's going to apply to drivers of all ages. So previously, uh, the texting law that we believe was in effect really only applied to persons 21 and over. And so now this is going to apply to all ages. And what the law is essentially saying is that you cannot hold or support the phone with any part of your body. So you can't be holding it in your hand trying to take a Snapchat video or trying to take a picture, uh, say, of the sunset as you're driving home from work. Uh, You're not supposed to even be having your phone in your lap or kind of sandwiching it between your shoulder and your ear uh, so that you can talk on the phone. So the goal is for you to be completely hands-free and not actually touching the phone at all. The purpose, obviously, of this new law is to address distracted drivers. And the impetus behind this was in regards to two fathers that had lost their lives due to accidents based on distracted drivers. And so what is significant about this change in the law is that it affects all drivers and it actually talks about not holding the device in your hands or on your lap. What it is talking about is it is truly asking drivers to be hands-free. You probably drive around and you sit in traffic and you see people holding their phones and they're talking into the speaker at the bottom or the side of the phone or they're, they're texting or they're, they're taking pictures. This is exactly what the law is intended to address. What's interesting is that the law does allow for drivers to use their phones if they are pulled over by police or if they are stopped in traffic. And that's how it becomes really interesting to think about how this law could be enforced because you this is a secondary enforcement law and so you can't be stopped solely for a law enforcement officer seeing you having the cell phone in your hand or on your lap. Instead, you can be stopped. Um, It would come after the fact. So let's say that you're speeding and then they also want to write you a ticket for having your cell phone in your hand and violating this law. Well, the question will become how they actually know when you picked up your cell phone, if you're allowed to use it to record whenever they're coming up to your vehicle Um, or if you're allowed to use it while you're stopped. So if you go ahead and pull over and then law enforcement is pulling up behind you and you're on the phone 
and you're, you've got your cell phone in your hand, then there's a question as how, as to how they would actually know when you started using the cell phone. So looking at the premise and the, the focus of this law and then relating it to enforcement, as Talon was mentioning, becomes somewhat of a tricky proposition. They refer to this law as a secondary provision law, which means they can't pull you over or stop you solely for using your phone or uh, accessing your phone. There's got to be another reason why law enforcement uh, is, is coming to the side of your vehicle to have a discussion with you. What is interesting to note, though, is that they clearly say in the language, no person shall be stopped, inspected, or detained solely for a violation of these provisions. Further, what's even more interesting is contained within the language of this new law, it actually tells law enforcement if they are going to inquire into this type of law violation, that they actually have to put you on notice. The notice issue is in regards to whether or not they can access your phone, take a look at it, see if you were texting, emailing, videoing, or talking at the time when the law enforcement officer wants to enforce this law. This is really interesting because it says that law enforcement who stop a person for these provisions, they shall, not may, but they shall inform the operator of the operator's right to decline a search of their device. And law enforcement, it says, cannot just take the device or get a warrant. So, this is going to become an interesting situation in the actual practicality of enforcement. How does law enforcement, one, access the device to, to, to satisfy what we call the elements of this particular statute? But more importantly, it sounds like law enforcement has a duty to tell you, you don't have to give us the phone but if we do access the phone, we're going to be looking to enforce this provision. And I think there's a lot of questions as to how they would know what to access on your phone without actually forcing you to tell them what you were accessing. In this era, you've got so many different apps and things like that that you could be looking at on your phone that it would be hard to tell when you were last using it. And then the other question becomes, okay, when you last used the phone, is there a way to tell whether or not you were using it hands-free or not? Because if they're looking at a text being sent, that may say sent with Siri if you have an iPhone. But then if they're looking at whether or not you were on social media, uh, I think there's going to be some challenges to figuring out what to look at. It's also interesting that Technically, based on this law, no warrant can be issued to confiscate or access your device, so your cell phone, solely based on a violation of this law, unless the violation is causing serious death or injury. 
So if you cause, if you basically get in a car accident and, or you're causing serious injury or death by your actions, like you hit someone on the street because you're looking down at your phone, only then would they have the argument to try to get a warrant to take your phone. So obviously being criminal defense attorneys, our perspective would be do not give up your phone. No better way to say it than that. Obviously, you know, be respectful to law enforcement. You don't need to be ugly. They're just trying to do their job. But what's interesting in this statute, as opposed to, for instance, like the DWI statute, in the DWI statute, law enforcement doesn't have to tell you, you, you know, you don't have to do these field sobriety tests. You don't have to answer my questions. They don't, they don't have a duty in those types of investigations. But in this particular type of investigation, this hands-free law, they do have a duty. So it always becomes interesting as to what does law enforcement say to you? Do they advise you right away about your rights not to turn over your phone or your rights that you don't have to answer questions in regards to what your use of that phone was? Were you, were you doing something or were you reading something or were you accessing something? And, and, and really, it is from an enforcement standi- uh, standard, uh, I think, going to be very difficult uh, going forward. Obviously, when you have a serious physical injury or a death type of investigation, there's going to be more of a focus using this type of law um, in regards to how they access it. Presently in our state, most people don't realize that we have investigatory subpoena power, which means that the government can access all sorts of records without your knowledge, whether it's your cell phone, whether it's Google uh, searches, whether it's Facebook, whether it's even your medical records. So it is interesting, is going to be interesting to see how this is enforced. And of course, the, the real practical message here is number one, be respectful, but you don't have to turn over your phone. And they don't have a right to access your phone. Another tidbit I would say is go ahead and put a lock on your phone, meaning a password lock, where it where you either have to type in a number or you have to have a facial recognition so that they cannot access it without going through the proper channels. Wampler and Passanisi proudly supports Big Brothers Big Sisters of the Ozarks, devoted to creating positive one-to-one mentoring relationships that promote mental health and well-being of youth across the Ozarks. Learn more by visiting bigbro.com. Thinking about what Joe's saying and his tips for what to do if you're stopped, a lot of the evidence that officers could try to use against you to, in a case like this, would basically be your statements. So they're going to be asking you questions and trying to get admissions in that situation, uh, potentially as opposed to even trying to ask access your phone because they know that that's probably not going to happen. And so it's very important to be informed as to what your rights are 
and not to make any statements that are incriminating as far as whether or not you were using your device and if you were using your device, how you were using your device. I could see a lot of this coming up with um, careless and imprudent driving cases, which is a class B misdemeanor in Missouri. Unless there's an accident, then it's a class A misdemeanor. And that can cause normally about two to four points on your driver's license. And in that situation, you know, if you're weaving in and out of the lanes because you're texting and driving, then they may ask you, you know, were you texting and driving? And if you answer them, if yes, well, then you're giving yourself up under this law. So it's important to be thinking about your responses and what your rights are. Obviously, uh, we want everyone to be safe out there on the roads. And the intent of this law is to reduce, if not help end distracted driving. But obviously, the enforcement of this law will be challenging. Some of the parameters that are placed on law enforcement not only make it difficult for them to enforce it, because they call it a secondary violation, which means they can't just pull you over at this point for you using your cell phone. What they'll do is they'll look for other ways to pull you over if they're going to try to enforce this particular statute. For instance, most people don't realize that weaving within a lane on a road is not a criminal infraction or a, cri a crime but it is what they call unusual operation of a motor vehicle. And actually a law enforcement officer can make the stop for that. If you've got a cracked windshield, if one of your lights are out uh, with the fog lights, etc., they can use lots of different reasons to make the stop to then begin the investigation in regards to this, this distracted uh, driving law. The main thing, and you need to constantly remember, when, when you're in a vehicle, there is a duty to be safe to not only yourself, but a safe to the ones around you. And what this law intends to do is really focus on the value of life and wants to end distracted driving. Criminalizing it, I think, is going to become the issue in the future as the focus on serious physical injury or death-type accidents where there was distracted driving is rarely when this law is going to start to be challenged in the sense of its enforcement and what are the parameters law enforcement have. It's, it's much like when the seatbelt law came into place. The seatbelt law that came into place initially was a secondary uh, violation that they used to stop a motor vehicle, meaning they just couldn't stop you if they didn't see you you or your passengers wearing their seatbelts. Over time, it's be, it, the law has changed a little bit in the sense of the enforcement. Even though seatbelt violations are not points, uh, the reality is everywhere you go, jurisdiction-wise, they always want, if a person was issued a seatbelt violation, to plead guilty and at least pay a $10 fine. Our intent today, Taylor and mine, is to make you aware of what we think are interesting issues and topics that are coming up. And 
we hope that we provide you information that is useful. The main thing that I think is a culture change here is um, the is the fact that that with the technology out there, moving more to hands free is um, is basically a situation where they are advising you to be smart and careful and not be a distracted driver. They want you to, and the way the law is written right now is that it they shall only issue a warning. But as the law, now this law is on the books, the this starts to identify duties and responsibilities, not only on the driver, but on law enforcement. And so you will see in the future, probably focus on amending this particular statute uh, as it becomes more and more used and more and more looked at by law enforcement and prosecutors in different jurisdictions. Thank you for joining this episode of The Loophole. Join us next time as we explore current legal issues and cases and discuss what goes on behind the scenes. We encourage listeners to visit Entrapped.com, where you'll find our library of blogs on criminal defense along with episodes of The Loophole.